Blog Talk Radio. In my helmet, cleats, and shoulder pads. Standing in the huddle, listening to the call. Fans going crazy for the boys that fall. They didn't let just anybody in that club. Took every ounce of heart and sweat and blood. Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, August 30th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders of several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Weigh-In Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin. Let's weigh in. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and we are finally here. We're knocking on the door. College football is Thursday night, so just a few more days away from the best sport in the world of all time ever. There will never be another sport to top college football, no matter how hard they try to push soccer, no matter how much how hard they try to push NFL, the NBA, nothing's going to ever top what we get from September to, to January, guys. It's just out of this world. It's just an unbelievable feeling to know that this college football is right around the corner. And I'm, I'm hearing a lot of predictions, a lot of predictions these days of who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to win the conferences. We're going to tell you tonight who we think. And these are, again, preseason projections. We know a little bit about football. We, or we, we like to say we do, but you never know. But I guarantee you our predictions will be a lot closer than – and the ESPN people, the CBS, the Fox people, because we're not going to blow smoke. We're going to tell you the truth. We're, we, we don't have an agenda. We just know college football. And if you go back over the years, the three years of this show, and you look at our projections week in and week out, there's nobody can top it. And I'm not trying to brag. Jonathan, you can attest to this as well. You've been a part of this show a long time. I mean, is there a show more accurate than this one? No, I mean, we're, we're pretty spot on. And it's just like you said, we're not trying to push a secret agenda. Uh, every once in a while, I get a little biased, of course, because I'm a Florida State fan, just like anybody else would for their team. But yeah. for the most part, we try to keep it honest and and, and, and real. Yeah, we do. We, we don't have to push a certain team. And, and, of course, I don't care who you are. Kurt Herbstreet works for ESPN. He has probably the best job in the world. And you're telling me he's not a little biased towards Ohio State and the Big Ten? Come on, I don't care who you are. If you're if you affiliate yourself with a school, you affiliate yourself with a conference. You're going to show favoritism. That's human nature. I mean, nobody is unbiased totally. I'm sorry if you if you tell me that, I know you are biased. So, <laughs> um, a lot to go over tonight, Jonathan. My predictions. I went through and tried to lay out the 
the landscape of all these conferences, and man, I got a headache trying to trying to predict the ACC. I got a headache trying to predict the Pac-12. It's just tough looking at conferences like that from top to bottom that are so close. But we'll give it a shot tonight. We may disagree on some things. We may not. It may surprise you who I have in the playoffs. There, there's a conference out there that could possibly have two teams in the playoffs, and, and I'll go ahead and tell you, it's not the it's not the SEC and it's not the Big Twelve, Jonathan. Does that surprise you? Yeah, I'm trying to see uh, who, who you might have in the cookie jar then. I uh, know. I mean, it's just it's just the way it lays out. I think there's a couple of, of Power Five conferences could get left out this year because. You know, you're a Florida State fan, but you know they're not going to be what they what they were. But anything can happen. But I just don't think there's a team in the ACC besides Florida State that has that power, that name, that could could lose a game or so and still make it. So if Florida State doesn't make it, who's going to make it there? And the Pac-12, we'll talk about that. I, I really, and you tell me if you see anything different, I couldn't sit here with confidence to tell you you're a conference champion. Yeah, I'm having a hard time myself with the Pac-12 trying to decipher who I think actually has a shot here. <laughs> uh, it, it seems like this conference, it, it is you know, the the talent and everything is balanced. You know, almost top to bottom of these course, you know, Washington, Washington State, Colorado, I think you can kind of just throw out the window. Uh, but everybody else seems to be very competitive this year. And it, it's definitely going to generate some buzz, especially if there's a couple, to, you know, the, the conference champions could have two losses coming out. Yeah, and then, you know, the Pac-12, I mean, a very good conference. There's no, to me, top-tier team, if you say, if you want to say it like that. And the SEC is the same way. I could sit here and I could see LSU winning it. I could see Texas A&M. I could see Auburn. I could see Alabama. I could see Tennessee. I mean, who's the dominant team in the SEC? If I had to say one, it would probably be Auburn has the best shot because of what they have on offense coming back and, and Will Muschamp and playing Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State at home. But is there really a dominant team in the SEC that you look at and say, yeah, there's an undefeated team. There's a definite playoff team. There really isn't. It's a lot of hemming and hawing. You're just trying to make a decision on who you think can get the better of that team that week and then worry about what's going on the very next week. Uh, I mean, Auburn should, by all rights, I, I think, be that team that, you know, should come out of that conference this year. But Alabama's a very strong team. LSU's always talented. Um, and even Georgia, you know, ha- has had their moments. Tennessee's an up-and-comer. Arkansas, you know, middle of the pack. When I, know, I mean, it's just – it just seems that conference is about as wide open as you can get. Yeah, and it's, and it's because of, you know, in the Pac-12, it's because they lost a lot. You know, a lot of people graduated. Well, in the SEC, it's because of the quarterback play. It's not – you have Jeremy Johnson and Prescott, and you have Dobbs. Other than those three, I really don't – there's somebody could come up and do very well. But if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to win your division. You're not going to win your conference. You're not going to make the playoff. Name me a team last year that had a bad quarterback that was in the playoff, really, besides Alabama probably. And, you know, it's like Alabama didn't even really have an issue. Blake Sims had a very good year, um, you know, especially, you know, being an Alabama quarterback and setting all their records passing-wise. I, I think, you know, if you're looking at your best competitor who had a quarterback issue, Ole Miss, I, I, that might be the best team last year 
that had a problem at quarterback. Um, and with Spo Wallace, I think, was a detriment to that team. One of the other quarter, you know, quarterbacks, you, you stick Winston, you stick um, maybe even Blake Sims, uh, Mariota, you stick one of those guys on Ole Miss, uh, they, they might have a chance to go all the way. Dak Prescott, I mean, he should have gone to Ole Miss or Mississippi State. I, I think everybody at Ole Miss agrees with that now. <laughs> yeah, Ole Miss is they they they're quarterback short, and I, I look at Arkansas, a team that people are talking about this year. And we're not going to just jump all over the place. But I'm just trying to give examples. Of, that's a team right there. I don't think they have enough weapons on offense. The quarterback, he's a senior, but I mean, it takes somebody, a play. It takes a game changer, a playmaker sometimes, especially if you're Arkansas. You're not an established defense like LSU and Alabama. You gotta have somebody that's gonna take you to the promised land, like Cam Newton did Auburn in 2010, like Vince Young did Texas. Um, I mean, players like that that can take over a ball game. That's what you're gonna need if you're not a, a dominant type, you know, a team. And and that's what what you're gonna see. You saw Southern Cal; they could win probably with any quarterback back in the day. Matt Liner just stepped in and just threw touchdowns to all these five star great All Americans. So, but Arkansas teams like that just just don't be fooled by. And I just want to tell people right now, don't be fooled by ESPN and some of these writers for Bleacher Report and all these people that are trying to tell you that Arkansas is going to be phenomenal this year, that they're going to have a chance to win the West, because they probably don't. But everybody jumps on the bandwagon of Herb Street and some of these guys, and they try to ride it on like Herb Street. They said LSU was going to win the SEC and play Ohio State for the championship. I don't think it'll happen, but... Now I'm starting to see more and more people picking LSU. Pick your own teams, judge it for yourself. But but one team that I will say right now that that after last year that got left out that really impressed me. There's two teams. TCU got left out. Baylor. You know Baylor. Uh, he hawed and, and Mark Bryles embarrassed the school and himself. Really, look what happened to them in that bowl game. They got beat by a, a better team in my opinion, Michigan State. But look what TCU did to a, a Pretty good old Miss team, Jonathan. I mean, they came in and and beat them so bad. They made a statement that said, okay, you know, we're not going to talk about it on TV. We're going to prove it on the field. That's why I look at TCU this year. Granted, they were the luckiest team last year in turnovers and everything. Ten, I think ten players coming back on that offense. That's what scares me about them, Jonathan. They don't talk about it. Patterson didn't whine about it. But look what they did to Ole Miss in that bowl game. If that doesn't speak to you, something's wrong. Oh, yeah, and the way TCU handled themselves all last year, you know, if you take out that that struggle of a Baylor game, which it looked like they had that locked up and just had the meltdown of meltdowns, they really walked through their schedule last year. I mean, they beat a good Minnesota team by 23. Uh, you know, they, they just waxed Kansas State. They demolished Texas. And the, the beatdown they handed Ole Miss, and, and I wanted to spell this right now. This has got to be the most annoying thing I hear every year from any anybody. Teams don't go into bowl games not get not caring. They don't. No senior wants to go on a losing note. No coach wants to end their season with a loss. Players don't want to deal with that all off season. Ole Miss went into that game looking to win because their Ole Miss was the last time Ole Miss won anything big like that. They needed <laughs> that win. Okay, And the way they got shellacked, it wasn't they didn't show up. They were showed up by a much, much better team, a team that, I mean, if TCU's in the playoff over Ohio State, they might win it. 
if Baylor's in, they could have won it. I mean, Baylor, again, that was a team that they pulled off a great uh, comeback against TCU and then let a great comeback happen against them, Michigan State. So, I, I mean, I think that what we saw in bowl season was there were certain teams that stepped up and were ready for the big-time moment, and there were certain teams that just reaffirmed that they weren't ready. And Ole Miss obviously wasn't ready last year. They weren't. But I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. And, and I do think some teams, when it comes to bowl games, certain ones, and, and you, you, you hit it head on. You nailed it. Ole Miss, I mean, who are they to say that they don't care to be in a – uh, the first uh, committee selected bowl game, you know, New Year's Day game, whatever, December thirty first game, whatever it was. That's a big deal for Ole Miss. Now, if it's Alabama, if it's Oregon, Florida State, somebody like that that's used to winning championships or being there in that final game, say so they make a game like that, I could see them not caring as much because I do understand that that there's disappointment that there's okay, God, this is, I mean, we we got left out. We Our goal was a championship. Who cares about the Outback Bowl? Or who cares about the Peach Bowl? But when you're Ole Miss, don't, I don't want to hear that you weren't up for that game because you got to play a team that, that lost one time on the road against a good Baylor team that collapsed but just blew out everybody else. And you had a chance to make a statement for the SEC and you get beat by 50. And Mississippi State's the same way. Look at them in a in a BCS bowl game, playing a ACC team in Georgia Tech and got annihilated. I mean, those are those are two teams right there that haven't proven anything over time. Now, now I'm going to say this, and you may disagree with me. Auburn, on the other hand, a team that came in with national championship hopes that was ranked number three, and actually I think they were ranked a little higher one week, but they, they had a meltdown at the last, and they lost four out of their last five. I don't know if they had a lot left in them, Jonathan, to come back and really care, well, if we beat Wisconsin or not. Because you do have to work between the time that last game starts and that bowl game and stay in shape. I don't know if Auburn did, and I don't know if they didn't care. I just don't think they just – I just think they were a very disappointed team. So I think there are times where where teams don't care as much. But this Ole Miss game wasn't one of them. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss didn't show up. But I, and Auburn stands for you lost four out of your past five. Wouldn't you like to end the year with some positivity? Yeah. I, I mean, after I the collapse. Off. Right. You want to win that game. You don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose to Wisconsin. You know, and, and that's where pride sets in. That's where pride as an individual, pride as a player sets in. You don't want to lose. That's your competitive instinct. If you're ready to, oh, we're not in it, so we're just going to roll over and die, well, then how can I trust you when we're in it? It's the mental toughness of a, a team. And I, I'd hate to know that, that Gus Malzahn didn't have his team ready. I mean, you, you give me millions of dollars a year, I'll have you ready to walk on nails and fire. I don't care what it's for. You give me that kind of money, I'll make sure of it. But there is something, Jonathan, you said right, pride. I don't care – what you did last year, I mean, you, you could have lost four of your last five. You should, like Auburn showed up good against Alabama. Like, go out there and annihilate Wisconsin and show that let's, let's make some positives for next year. But but you're right. I think a lot of people make the excuses of uh, they didn't want to be there. Remember when Alabama played Utah? And I do think in that, in that point, I think Alabama overlooked Utah. I think they, they were too cocky. It's not that they didn't want to win. I think that they just overlooked them. You know, and just said, hey, we're going to beat them like Miami did Alabama in 92. They looked at them and said they shouldn't even be in this game, and they got blown out. And that's what happens 
when you're not ready. There, it's, there's not much that separates college football teams anymore, like people think. Back in the old, old days, Jonathan, they only had a few bowl games because there was only a few good teams. If you think about that now, there's so many teams that are comparable and so close that you have 50 bowl games because there's not much, in honesty, there's not much that separated Auburn last year from Alabama couple of bad breaks, some injuries, and a tough schedule. I mean, there's not – if you looked at Alabama and Auburn last year, was there a significant difference between a one-loss team and a, and a four-loss team in the regular season? No, there wasn't, and I agree with you. I do think Alabama overlooked uh, Utah, just like I think Oklahoma overlooked Boise State the year they met in the Fiesta Bowl. And the, the way it's up, recruiting is more spread out now because – Almost every game is nationally televised. I can catch almost every game on a given weekend, whether it's through the ESPN 3 or Fox Sports or whatever. So kids see every team. Kids are on TV no matter what. They don't know no matter where they go. Because usually you have one, one, maybe two nationally televised games a week. Now you've got nationally televised games on you know, the whole day Saturday, uh, Thursday night, if you're in one of the conferences like the MAC or the American Athletic or the Mountain West, you're even going to have games on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And you're going to be on TV all the time. So kids go where there's playing time now. They don't go just to a school because most of these kids growing up don't have, col- or, or don't have the college allegiances that kids did growing up back mm-hmm. then. You don't see, you know, diehard Florida State kids, there aren't as many of them growing up. They're spread out all over the place. Well, I grew up a Florida State fan, but I'm playing at Boise. Whoa, whoa, wait, what's you, who are you a fan of? I mean, you can't root for one on Saturday, on on, on Monday, you know, through through Friday, and then say, oh, you know, I played for Boise on Saturday. So I, I think that's where the, the the recruiting why it's so wide open now, as far as it goes with college football, and why teams are closer together. And that's why a five loss Auburn team and a one loss Alabama team, there wasn't much of a difference. There wasn't. And we saw Florida State last year. How many teams ran us down to the wire that were four or five lost teams? Yep. It's, it's, you have to get lucky. You have to have the right schedule. You have to be healthy. But, I mean, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I could go to football games and make a whole Saturday of it because guess what? There was only like two games on TV that weekend, so you're not going to miss anything. And your team probably wasn't going to be on TV as much. You know, it just depends on how it was. Now I hate going to games sometimes because look at what I'm missing. I could be sitting in my living room on a 60-inch high-definition TV watching every game that I want to watch. And that's why these kids now are prepared in high school. They come out, they're ready to go. Guess what, Jonathan? They're going to go, like you said, to the MAC because they're on TV. They're going to get to play immediately. They're going to be noticed. And you don't think these NFL scouts watch these MAC games on Tuesday nights and and they see every team is on TV, and that's that's one thing that separates college football. But do you agree with me that you remember I mean, you're younger than I am? But back when I was a kid, you only had a few bowl games because the teams there was Oklahoma, Nebraska, somebody like that, uh, Miami, Florida State. There, there was nobody else good. So the more bowl games, what are you going to have? Nobody's going to watch those games. But now you have Ole Misses that that are pretty decent, Mississippi State, you have Georgia Tech. All these teams are good enough to compete. You want to see how your conference does. That's why bowl games are so popular now is because it's really bragging rights. It gives, it's more like, okay, I'm going to see how this Big Ten does against the SEC. And you saw it last year. The Big Ten beat up on the SEC, and 
and you saw everybody beat up on the SEC in the bowl game. But how fun was that, that the SEC didn't dominate college football, John? How fun was it for the rest of the world besides the SEC that that happened? Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, for a lot of us, it was really nice. Because finally, the media couldn't push this whole look at the dominance. The SEC is the is the end all be all. That you know, it's it's nice not to hit at rhetoric. The problem was the rhetoric became, oh, the SEC is falling apart. No, it's not. And yet, no one conference is truly dominant. Just because you know four teams won seven championships, they all hailed from the same conference. Well, whoopie-doo! I mean, my goodness, LSU won a championship with two losses over Ohio State. The same Ohio State team in the year before lost the national championship in Florida. What you tell me is the Big Ten's obviously did because because Ohio yep. State was in a couple championship games. I mean, come on. At the end of the day, certain teams make certain conferences look a lot better than they really are. And that's how it is. Florida State ran through the ACC all through the 90s. There was no arguing that. That didn't mean the ACC was dominant because Florida State was always in national championship conversations. No, just think they were the better team. And, you know, just think, let's go back to the national championship game between Florida State and Auburn. What would it be like today had Auburn beaten Florida State? You know, that's, what, seven in a row? And and would that have given the SEC more fire? Would it have given Alabama more of a chip on their shoulder to make sure they weren't the one that broke the streak maybe? And where would college football be today? And I don't think people think of it like this, had Auburn beaten Florida State. I don't know if it would be in a much different place. Um, I mean, obviously it would have shaped out recruiting a lot differently um, because certain people, certain kids would have, been, would have, you know, stayed hard on their commitment to Auburn and, and so on and so forth would have really, you know, set a nice little domino effect. But being as it is, would, all, would Alabama have the same fire? I think they would going into that game against Ohio State. Would they still have been outplayed? Most likely. Hey, I don't think it really <laughs> would have changed too much. And, yeah, and, 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 and it, it came there. down to scheme. It really did come down to a scheme. Ohio State ran a perfect scheme against Alabama. Alabama can't stop that. Alabama fans, I know you hate hearing it, but y'all cannot stop that spread over right now. Your linebackers are 270 pounds. They cannot cover running back and slot receivers. Yeah, and, you know, I just said that. There was two games in the world. Two times I was very disappointed in football was was when we got left out of the 04 championship and when when we lost to Florida State, man. That was that was gut wrenching, dude. But uh anyway, we're gonna come back to football in a minute, but um Jason Abrams put on our way in sports page today talking about baseball. When did the Braves suck, start sucking so bad, Jonathan? You put what you did and everything out there, but I wanna offer condolences out there to the um to the man that fell from the upper deck last night and lost his life. And I just don't get, Jonathan, how that stuff happens. I mean, if you're if you're a man, you're up there, maybe you're – if you're not drunk, let's just say you're not drunk, how do you fall from the upper deck? I just have to talk about this for two seconds before we move on. Yeah, no, that that is rough. It's just like the Texas fan, I want to say, two years ago. Um, when Josh Hamilton was stolen the ball, the guy leaned over the railing and tumbled over. Um, it, you know, and there was a fan in another instance. I can't remember where it was or what. You know, where he he dropped the sunglasses over the railing. In you know, for yeah, I guess the guy was inebriated, but you know, 25 feet down, he decided to lean over the railing, maybe even jump and get the glasses and come die. 
Um, it, it's a real shame that this happens. There's nothing Major League Baseball can do. I, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest about that because if we start saying, well, Major League Baseball has to do something about guys falling over railings, then I have to say, so do malls. So, so, so you know, so does, so does everywhere else where there's a railing where there's a drop like that. You know, it's Darwinism at its finest is, is what winds up happening, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, if if you can't help yourself from not falling over a railing, then I, I'm not put. I can't put in a measure to help stop that because you couldn't do it. And it's unfortunate that it happened, and it's unfortunate that it's happened multiple, numerous times over the past couple of years. But it's nothing we can change. You know, it's just like this whole uh, fans getting hit with foul balls, but you know, behind the dugouts and their main injuries, and now they want to extend the net all the way to the foul poles. Well, I mean, that solves the problem, if you will, but it takes away from the experience. A lot of people don't want to sit behind home plate cutting yep. those nets. So now we're going to extend the nets all the way around. So now your view's obstructed no matter what. And that just really throws things off. And, you know, and what, are we going to put nets over the dugouts now so the players don't get hit? Let's throw over the camera well so the cameramen don't get hit. You know, that's yep. why they have, they have that little thing on the back of every ticket. Hey, pay attention. Balls are going to come at you. Bats will fly. Players are going to keep com- or will, will climb into the stands so they can play. It happens. You got to stay aware, and that's where people being addicted to their cell phones and wanting to make sure their Facebook page is updated, letting everybody know they're at the game instead of paying attention to the game they're at. That's where it comes into a, qu- a question here. When I go to a baseball well, game, I like sitting on the dugouts. Yeah, but yeah, but I guarantee you're watching everything. You're not sitting there looking around. <laughs> on your cell phone, looking at left field, wondering what's going on when the pitch is being thrown. No, I mean, I, I sit at the dugouts, you know, and I like to sit, because I go to a lot of minor league games. So I pay my couple bucks. I will sit right on the railing, okay? I assume the risk that a ball is going to come and clock me in the head. I, I also I also you know, tell myself ahead of time, let's pay attention every time a ball is in play. This is the golden rule. What do you learn playing baseball when you're five and six years old? When the ball's in play, always look for it. Always pay attention to the baseball. That way you don't get hurt. And I think that's a rule we need to start extending to the fans. Then we need to have some seminars teaching fans about this rule. Because that is the golden rule. If a ball's in play, keep your eye on it. That way you can avoid getting hurt. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, like you said, you go into the balls and everything. It's just like a car, you know, a car accident. Just because people die in car accidents doesn't mean everybody can't drive anymore. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things. Accidents happen in life. I could be walking down. I live on a third level. I could be walking down to my stairs, Jonathan, and fall and break my neck and die. Does that mean apartments can't be more than one story high? I mean, things happen, and, and you know, it doesn't happen all the time. It's not like every week we hear about this, but I do – feel sorry for the guy and his family that, that that's the way he went out. Maybe that's the way he wanted to go out. At least he, he went out a season ticket holder of the Braves. I mean, he probably didn't feel much. I mean, you know, he fell 25 feet. That's a long way. But that's just – I hear a lot of people talking about the safety now, not not serving alcohol, putting the nets up, putting rails up. My God, it'll be like going in a prison to watch a baseball. Like, you, I go to baseball for the experience. I don't sit in the upper deck. If I go, I sit on the first base line with a dugout or the third base. I like to I like to be in the action. If I go to a football game, for the most part, I want to be on the 50-yard line. I'm not going to get hurt up there, of course, but I like the view. I like the experience. 
I don't want to be behind glass. I don't want to be where I can't hear the crowd. I just I just think a lot of people overreact when things like this happen. And it's just you you nailed it, Jonathan. We're we're on the same page with that. I just mm-hmm. I feel bad for the guy, but I mean, what what's, what's baseball going to do? Stop serving alcohol now because someone fell off a rail? Come on. It's up to your own discretion on how you handle yourself in situations like that. Uh, it falls back on you. It's it, it's accountability. And if you you know everybody wants to just pass the buck and find somebody new to sue, well you know that that's fine and dandy, but the real world doesn't always work like that, folks. I mean, if somebody jumps off a bridge, commits suicide, we don't ban bridges, you know. And it falls back to uh, many many different arguments. And, and how things are handled. And it can be a very divisive uh, argument as far as, you know, we talk about, you know, car accidents and people die. We don't ban cars, you know. And, and a lot of people, you know, will lead that back to gun control and, and, and other things. And at the end of the day, you don't blame the instrument. Because I can you know, I can drive a car. And I've driven a car and never gone to a car accident. I know somebody who's gotten into six. I know somebody who's intentionally ran somebody over with the car. We don't ban cars. I'm not going to ban alcohol because you fell over the railing because there were thousands of other people in that stadium last night drinking. And trust me, if you were at that game and you were a Braves fan, you were probably drinking that didn't die by falling over a railing. So it's not all, you know, we, we can't just find something to blame. You know, just because somebody's dead doesn't mean you can't say, it's your own fault you died. Yeah, and I don't know if he was drinking. I don't want people to think that I'm passing judgment. I, I have no idea what state of mind he is, but I guarantee you he probably wasn't paying attention something. He, he let his guard down. And, you know, I've been in situations before like that in stadiums where, good Lord, I was scared from, you know, but you know what I did? I held all of those rails. I paid attention, made sure some idiot didn't stumble and knock me over the rail. So you have to be, you know, you have to be careful. You know, gun control is the same thing, just like you said, because somebody kills somebody with a gun, you don't ban guns. You put the person behind, behind bars or you, you figure out who's getting guns. You control that. If you have a felony, of course, you can't get a permit to carry a gun and things like that. Let's just keep the crazy people from carrying guns. But I just want to throw that out there real quick. Jonathan, uh, NFL starting up a couple weeks. Uh, I guess a week from this Thursday night. I mean, is, is it just me, or are you are you excited about the NFL this year? Is it just – I don't know. I just don't feel pumped up about the NFL like I usually do. I stopped caring once fantasy football became a big thing. I really did. And I'll do a couple fantasy football leagues here and there if somebody, you know, asks me to join their league. I'm more than happy to, to oblige. Um, just, just because it's fun and usually I can take your money. But uh, <laughs> I mean, and, and on an honest point, I, I just I've lost a lot of interest in the NFL, and it has stemmed from really you know the way that they have pushed fantasy football to be more important than the actual games on the field, and I, that has taken a lot of that. a lot of us good fans has taken us away from the game. Plus, a lot of the rules he's implemented, you know, and the whole well we're going to suspend you for that hit, and then you know, like James Harrison when he was getting fined and suspended. And there were a couple of those instances where you're just sitting there going, you know what, the receiver kind of ducked into that hit, but yet the guy who was about to make a, a clean, pure tackle is getting punished because the receiver decided to drop his, drop him and drop his guard. And 
that that there once all that started to happen, we all just kind of walked away. And then of course, you know, the Tom Brady deflate gate doesn't help. I mean, I think the, the everyday football fan is tired and sick yeah. and just annoyed with it. You know, fantasy football, I'm in a league and I do it. That's just because I do it because I've done it for 15 years now almost. And it's like it does take away because you can see yourself pulling almost against your team almost because your fantasy team could be, you know, jeopardized because of it. So, yeah, fantasy football is okay, but um, I just I don't know. The NFL has seemed to me it's like a it's, it's the defense is, is taken out of it. You know, you, the aggressiveness, the intensity of the players, you know, violence. That's what NFL is to me. It's violent. It should be, and it's becoming a lot more less violent, Jonathan. And that's what I like to see. I mean, I just, I'm a violent kind of guy when it comes to watching sports and TV. I want to see violence. I don't want to see flag football. I mean, before long, the NFL will be flagged. But we're going to break down the NFL each division next week, Um, probably do a show. It'll probably be next Sunday night or Wednesday night. We'll go through the entire NFL. But tonight, it's all about the start of college football, Jonathan. I don't know about you, but it's time, man. We've been waiting a long time to finally get to the point well, we can talk the game instead of talk about everything around the game, the deflate gate and all these stories that come out all the time, who's beating their wife, who's hitting their mother. Now we're going to talk about football. So it starts Thursday night, Jonathan. Give me a game out there Thursday night that you're just looking forward to and you can't wait. Uh, College-wise, I mean, if I'm looking at week one, you know, if I'm looking at Thursday night to be specific, because that, that is really, you know, that's, I can't, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I found myself jumping around earlier, to be honest, looking at it. I am really excited to actually see North Carolina and South Carolina get it on. Um, it's a good rivalry, uh, you know, that, that doesn't really get as much hype as it should. And I, I honestly think North Carolina can take down South Carolina this year. And anytime Steve Sparger loses, yeah. I tend to smile. Yeah, and I like I like North Carolina in that game, and I'm actually picking North Carolina to beat South Carolina. I'll give that to you now, but that's one game. But the other two I like, Jonathan, I don't know. You tell me. I'm real interested in the Michigan-Utah game. I want to see mm-hmm. the hardball effect week one. I want to see that tough Utah physical, you know, at home. I just want to see this is a good measuring stick for both teams. I mean, Michigan wins this game on the road week one. Watch out because – that confidence just can keep building and building. But I look for Utah and the Pac-12. A, a team is probably going to finish fourth in their division. It's going to beat Michigan. But I'm really interested, really interested in the Minnesota Gophers. I'm surprised Jason's not on tonight to talk about this game. But them being at home, playing a TCU team with all the hype in this week one, it's kind of like the Ohio State-Virginia Tech game. You know, anything can happen week one. But, I mean – is there any, even a possibility of this upset, TCU and Minnesota right now? I mean, if you watched the – and I did. If you watched the North Dakota State at Montana game yesterday, which, by the way, what a great game. A great way to kick off yep. the college football season. Um, there's, there, you know, there's always a chance. But I think TCU is going to win that game. That's more of a – I think that game is more of a measuring stick of where TCU is at as a team. If they win by 40 points, Oh God! I mean, this team's just going to start running through people. If this ends up being a tough, competitive, close game, 
I think we could be seeing something, some fun. TCU schedule might not be as easy as a lot of people think. And I agree with you. I am intrigued by that Michigan-Utah game. I think Utah is going to beat, beat some dust out of Michigan, but I think that's going to be an interesting game to see. What is the hardball effect week one? What is Jake Rudock going to look like week one? Well, Rudock couldn't get it done at Iowa, but now he's supposed to be Michigan's savior. This is going to speak more mm-hmm. to how Michigan's defense looks than anything, to be honest. Because if that defense is competitive, I think Harbaugh can get that offense rolling by the time they face Michigan State. Yeah, and I want to go back one second. You know, I hear a lot of comparisons with Baylor and TCU, putting them in the same category with their terrible out-of-conference scheduling. And, and you know, you look at Oklahoma and Texas, they actually play tough ones. But, but to me, and TCU going on the road and playing Minnesota – to me, Jonathan, that's not a cupcake. That's not Stephen F. Austin. That's not Lamar. That's not SMU. I mean, this is actually a decent, tough measuring stick game for TCU. Anytime you go on the road from Texas all the way up to Minnesota first week of the season, I just don't like Baylor and TCU being compared to each other with weak out-of-conference schedules when TCU plays somebody decent where Baylor doesn't. Let's, let's, let's put Baylor in its own category of pathetic, and I hope they lose about six games this year. But you can't compare TCU and Baylor right now, can you, when it comes to the schedule? No. Um, I, I mean, if you're looking at it, you're you're comparing those two schedules. <laughs> Baylor, I mean, like you said, they, 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 they get, you know, they're going to SMU week one, which, all right, fine, I'll give you that. That's a big rivalry, <laughs> actually, between those two schools. And, and TCU plays SMU as well. So we'll call that a wash. Uh, and then TCU has Stephen F. Austin. Baylor has Lamar. All right, we'll call that a wash. All right. Baylor then has Rice. TCU has to go to Minnesota. Well, yeah. I think I think TCU's got a tougher game right about there. Uh, and, and that's where it's going to separate it. I mean, also, TCU has to go to both Oklahomas this year. Uh, they have to go to Kansas State. You know, and obviously not, not one of those is easy. You know, I mean – these schedules are comparable, but TCU's would be slightly is slightly more challenging. Uh, Baylor's schedule, I guess you're going to say, is is more challenging because they do have to go to TCU. That's going to be their that very tough one right there. Then you have Texas, man. They play Notre Dame on the road. They play Cal. You have Oklahoma. They play Tulsa. They go to Tennessee. I mean, why is the second tier teams playing tougher out of conference schedules than the top two teams in that conference? I saw that tonight, and they were talking about it. it. Makes a lot of sense. Baylor and TCU will benefit because Texas and Oklahoma play tougher teams out of conference, especially if they win. Why don't they grow some balls and play somebody? Baylor, if I'm Mark Bryles after what happened last year, I'm canceling a game. I'm going ahead and buying out of it. And I'm going and scheduling somebody. I'm I'm making you. I'm questioning your manhood to play me. I'm going I'm going to Southern Cal and say, You get your butt down here right now, play me week one, I'm calling you out. Go to somebody, but now you're gonna play SMU on the road. That's like Auburn going to Louisiana Lafayette and playing. I mean, it's not gonna matter where you play that game. Your favorite thirty five points, but if Baylor makes a playoff this year, I'm gonna blow my T V up because I, I'm just Sick of seeing Art Bryles' ugly face on TV whining. Gary Patterson has a legitimate beef. He lost at Baylor, and it was just on the road. But look what they did to everybody else they played. I mean, look who they destroyed. But I'm tired of them being – I'm sorry I got off on a tangent. I'm tired of TCU being compared to Baylor right now when Baylor plays 
high school teams. At least they play one. You look at Auburn, they play Louisville. Other than that, they really don't play anybody. San Jose State maybe is a tough one, but, I mean, they, they play a tough conference, and the Big 12 gets tougher. I mean, it's a tough conference, but you can't – I mean, you can't blast Auburn because at least they're playing Louisville, right? I mean, one of their four games is against a good team. Right, right. I mean, yeah, Auburn, you know, definitely has that edge. And the Big 12, you know, they do the nine-man conference schedule, which is why they tend to put themselves up kind of nicely on the, on the non-conference. You know, everybody has their out-of-conference rival. Baylor, it's SMU. You know, Iowa State is Iowa. You know, Kansas, yeah, I don't even want to get into that. They're just terrible football teams. You know, and if we're going to pick on Baylor, we have to pick on Kansas State. I mean, South Dakota, uh, <laughs> Texas San Antonio, Louisiana Tech. I mean, come on. You know, and, if, and if let's, let's pick on Oklahoma State. Central Michigan, Central Arkansas, Texas San Antonio. You know, I, there, there's yeah. just certain teams. Just look at at least Texas Tech plays Arkansas. You know, West Virginia has Georgia Southern Liberty and Maryland. They might actually have the top, you know, behind Texas might have the toughest non-conference because they got to play Georgia Southern and Maryland, who, you know, neither one of them is going to be a cakewalk. So I, I think this is just college football as a whole, and we're going to see this problem addressed as we move forward to where less and less teams are going to play Division Two opponents because it's not going to be worth it. Only in the first year in the yeah. playoffs. I mean, yeah, you see Florida State later, every year plays Florida. Florida State every mm-hmm. year has played Florida. Georgia Tech every year has played Georgia. I mean, it's like you you have to play these games because they're rivals almost. But these other schools like Baylor, they don't have a rival. I mean, you know, I mean, they suck. The Big 12 out of conference sucks. The Pac-12, they schedule people tough. The SEC has gotten tougher, I think, because they've been bashed for so long that they they go out and just play somebody to play somebody. I mean, you know, you look at that, at least Ohio State's going to Virginia Tech. I know the conference is not that good. At least Michigan State's playing Oregon. I mean, I have to credit mm-hmm. that. I have to give Ohio State, Michigan State some credit for playing schools outside of their state. I mean, my God, I'm just sick of Baylor, Jonathan. If you can't tell that by now, um, <laughs> and I'm sick of Ohio State, too, man. I'll be honest with you. So we'll talk about them tonight. Let's go ahead. And I'm, what we're going to do, Jonathan, we're going to start in the conference. We're going to talk about each division. We're going to go through it pretty fast. We're not, we're not going to sit here for two hours. But um, let's start in your ACC, my friend. I want to see how far off you and I are in this. Um, we'll start off in the Coastal Division. I'll give my game. You'll give a, a team, and then you'll go, and I'll go. We'll do it that way. But I'll start. Number seven in the Coastal Division, Jonathan, I have the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, I also have Virginia. Woo! We agree, baby. All right, who do you have at number six? Miami. Ah, uh, me too. <laughs> Number four, number five, I have North Carolina. Well, all right, let, let's just keep copying each other. All right, who do you have at four? Oh, that's where we differ. I have Duke. Mm. I actually have Pittsburgh up at number three. That's where I have Duke. Okay. I have Virginia Tech going at number two. Yeah, I, I know this is, this is the debate. I actually have Georgia Tech number two. Okay. Let's see, and, and this could be huge for Virginia or Ohio State. Just say there's any kind of doubt. 
uh, one loss, but Virginia Tech said they win the Coastal, and they're playing in the ACC championship game. It's kind of like last year. It would even be better for Ohio State because Virginia Tech was subpar. you got a, maybe a possible ACC champion. Ohio State could lose this first game on the road, rebound, win the rest of them, and make the playoff. Yeah, and I, I, that's where this does help out, and, and I think Virginia Tech, if everything falls the way I think it should, uh, is a 10-win team this year, and that that would be huge. Now, I do think Virginia Tech does lose to Georgia Tech, and I think they lose to Ohio State, uh, which would tell you they're probably not the best team in their division. Uh, in all honesty, it's because Georgia Tech's got a tougher schedule. they got to deal with Clemson and Florida State and all those other schools. That I, you know, Georgia Tech got handed the schedule in hell, to be honest. And that's why I have them finishing number two, just because I don't know if Virginia Tech loses a conference game outside of Georgia Tech. Well, I have Georgia Tech won, and it's debatable. But I like the quarterback. I like the offense. I just think it's tough. And I, I look at the Coastal. It's nothing like the Atlantic, man. It's, nothing, it's like the SEC East versus the SEC West over here. That's the difference in the two conferences. So I can gamble a little bit, throw Georgia Tech out there, and not feel too bad about it. So you have Virginia Tech. I have Georgia Tech playing in the ACC championship game. Let's start in the Atlantic. I think we're both going to agree that probably Wake Forest is going to finish seventh. Oh, yeah. And I have Syracuse at six. Uh, of course. BC at five. Um, yep. North Carolina State at four? No, I have Louisville at four. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who do you have at – I have NC State at four. Who do you have at three? I have NC State at three. Don't get mad, but I have Florida State at three right there. Whoa. I'm joking, Explain man. Where did that come from? I'm just aggravating you, man. I just want to get a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, at number three, I have the Louisville Cardinal right there at number three. Mm-hmm. You have NC State. And at two, I have Florida State. Yeah, you know I don't agree with that. I have Clemson at two. Yeah, I have Clemson at one in this one. Yeah, I have I have Florida State at one, and that's biased. I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest with everybody. Hey, I, that, okay. is, that is such a bias. I've gone back and forth. I, I hate myself because my prediction should have been done probably a week or two ago, but I have been struggling with the ACC so much just from the, stand, just from the standpoint of I've struggled with the Coastal Division because I think a lot of those teams are really close together. North Carolina, Pitt, Duke, and Miami are all pretty much in the same breath. Uh, unfortunately, and, it, and it's weird the way the drop set. Um, and Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech kind of go neck and neck. I don't, I think Georgia Tech's a better team, but I think they got the tougher schedule, and that's where they struggle. And the Atlantic, oh. I mean, you got three teams that just, just suck, and Boston College, Wake Forest, and Syracuse. I mean, Boston College might sneak into a bowl game at 6-6. Six and six. They might, but Syracuse and Wake Forest are terrible. Then you have your second tier in North Carolina State and Louisville where North Carolina State's on the upswing, at least for this year. Uh, they got a lot back on offense, very talented football team. Uh, their defense really turned it around the second half of the year, but that's after they switched schemes. So it would be nice to see how this defense actually handles the full season at it. Whereas Louisville has four quarterbacks. Well, 
I get NC Real State as three. Year, I get Louisville I mean, being at four. four below NC State. What What do you see about them that that makes you think they're going to be four? Because a lot of people I'm seeing have them actually winning this division, possibly as a dark horse. But what What do you see about Louisville that you don't like? What I see at Louisville is they they have four quarterbacks. They don't have one quarterback set. You know, they have a running quarterback. They have an injury prone quarterback. I, I, they don't. They have not yet figured out that quarterback situation, that revolving door that we're probably going to see again this year than we saw last year. This, these, you know, not only that, but on offense, they have talent at receiver, but it's very inconsistent. It always, it has been. They've been waiting on certain guys to step up, and they just haven't. Their offensive line is going to be breaking in three new starters, and it's important starters, both your guards and your left tackle. That's why I think the offense is going to take a step back. You know, and that's very rare for Petrino's system, but that wasn't a very good offense last year, to be honest. That defense was very, very good last year. They got to replace uh, the whole secondary, which they do get the bonus of two of those guys being transferred from Georgia, uh, and Harvey Clemens and Wiggins. Uh, there's no doubt that's going to help them, but it's still a whole new secondary. And then at, at the defensive line, you got two back, but it was, you know, it's not like they were your, your two most productive guys. So the best thing this defense has going for them is returning their top two linebackers. But I, I just, I'm just looking at this, and I just, I keep seeing Louisville's going to take a step back. They're going to lose to Auburn. They're going to lose to Florida State. They're going to lose to Clemson, and I think they lose that rally. Uh, and that's that's where the difference is between them and North Carolina State. I think when Louisville goes to Raleigh this year, they're going to get taken down. And see, you know, people are talking about the upset alert with Louisville Auburn. I just, when I look at that game. And I know their defense has some transfers on it, but again, their transfers, they're not in the system. I see Auburn scoring at will on these guys, and I think Louisville could score a little bit on Auburn, but Auburn's got a better defense than what people think, especially with Muschamp there now. This game could get out of hand. And a lot of people are talking about them beating Auburn. I just just can't see that, man. I just can't with this team. And Petrino, like you said, the offense wasn't that good last year. Now you don't even have a quarterback. You lost your offensive line. Your receivers are inconsistent. I mean, Louisville, they just don't scare me. But a lot of people have them as a dark horse to win the ACC. And, and that that's that whole buzz. People think that they're going to get a good uh, uh, they're going to get a good ratings and everything because oh well, look, we're not taking Clemson or, or Florida State, who are clearly the two superior teams in this conference. Now, Florida State has two tough games. They have to go to Clemson. They have to go to Georgia Tech. There's, there's no doubt about that. Clemson, on the other hand, is, has one starter returning on the offensive line. They got Deshaun Watson, who has yet to stay healthy. I, I get it. Last year was a true freshman year, but he tore his ACL and he got hurt another time. The boy missed more games of injury than he And that worries me. You know, that's what the Redskins are dealing with, RG3. And then Clemson's defense lost all their talent. They almost lost their whole two deep on the depth chart. That's scary. I mean, we're talking about a top five defense that can take a massive step back this year. And so I, I, while both teams are vulnerable and Florida State's just – it's all quarterback play, I, I honestly think looking at it that the ACC is not as open as people think it is because talent will win out at the end. So, so I'm going to pick Georgia Tech to win the championship of the ACC over Clemson. You have Florida State and Virginia Tech. You have Florida State winning. Of course. Okay, and that's okay, but, I mean, that could happen anyway, whether you're a fan or not. That's, I mean, Florida State is Florida State. Let's move over to the Big 12. 
a team that uh, conference unless Quinn's going to come in with us. And Quinn, we're not going to go back and go through every team. But who do you like in the ACC? Who's your champion? I have Clemson versus Virginia Tech, and I have Clemson winning. All right. Clemson, Florida State, and Georgia Tech, all three of us. I'm getting some little background noise, something with the phone. We all check y'all's, and I'll check mine just in case. You never know when it's mine. I blame people before and it'd be my fault. So if it's mine, I apologize. But let me know. Let me know if you hear something from mine. The Big Twelve coming up right now. We'll go through number ten, Kansas. Quinn, who do you have finishing last? Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not even a debate. <laughs> Jonathan, who do you have at nine? Iowa State. I. I even though I have a good front of place for them, I think that's a terrible football team. I have Iowa State. Quinn, who do you have at nine? Iowa State. I have Texas Tech at eight. Call me crazy, Jonathan. I'm not going to call you crazy. Um, I, 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 I'm going to agree with that. I think that while Texas Tech could have some talent there, they got a tough schedule, and I think everybody else in that conference is ahead of them. Yep. Quinn? I have... Texas. I have Texas Tech too at eight. Wow, West Virginia at number seven. I know a lot of people like West Virginia, but I just think schedule, Jonathan. I just think losing their quarterback, a lot to replace. West Virginia at seven. I agree. I think there's a uh, West Virginia is overhyped. Um, where you know they're they had some positivity last year. Uh, well, it's going to come crashing back down to earth. Quinn, who do you have at lucky number seven here? I have a feeling I, you're going to I, say that. I have a, a three-way tie for fifth. <laughs> and I couldn't determine <laughs> for fifth through seventh because how the win and loss, it was crazy. So I have a three-way tie well, for fifth. Well, tell us. Tell us those three. Oklahoma like State, Kansas State, and West Virginia. Wow. I have, I have Texas at six. Jonathan? Uh, I I'm, I actually. No, I'm sorry. Oh, 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 I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Me too. My bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I caught that right when I was doing. I looked up. Texas is at number five for me. Kansas State's at number six. Who do you have at number five? I have Texas at five. <laughs> there. Now we're back on the same page. I, I need my I need my glasses. I'm getting old. Uh, number four, okay. Quinn. Who do you have? I have Oklahoma. Ooh. I have Okie State at number four. Jonathan? Uh, yeah, I actually I have Oklahoma State um, at – actually, no, I don't. I have Oklahoma at number four as well. Okay. Number three, I have Baylor. Ooh, I know that's against everything the world's preaching right now, Quinn, but – I think I think Baylor takes a, a little step back. I know they returned the. I mean, I'm tired of hearing about they got all their defense back. That's like saying, uh, I mean, I've got ten women here and they're all 400 pounds. It doesn't matter. Their athlete cares, and that's what I think about Baylor. They never can play defense. They're breaking in a new quarterback. They lost a receiver. I think they finished third. Who do you have? I third, have Texas. Hmm. Oh God, that's some balls. Jonathan? Yeah, I have uh, the Cowboys. I have the Pokes. Oklahoma State. 
Oh, number two may surprise you. I have I have Oklahoma finishing second in the Big Twelve. I think nobody's talking about them. I think Stoops is a good coach. I think he's gonna kind of step in the middle. Somebody needs to separate this fight between Gary Patterson and Art Bryles. I think Stoops will step in between them. Bryles will shut his mouth now, hopefully. And Quinn, who do you have at number two? Baylor. Okay. Jonathan, I'm sure you have Baylor at number two. Yeah, I do. Yeah. TCU number one, anybody? I guess that's an elimination. We all have TCU winning the Big 12. And what we'll talk about in a few minutes, is that enough to get them in? To the playoff, unlike last year, is there going to be one true champion or, or could there be a three-way tie at number one in this conference? I could see that, but let's move on. Let's move on to the, another conference that I like, the Big Ten. And, Quinn, I know you you, 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 you talk like a Yankee, so you should be able to, to fit in good in this conference here. Let's start off with the West. At number seven, I have Purdue. Quinn, who do you have? Illinois. Ooh, Jonathan? Uh, I'm going to go with Purdue as well. I think that's clearly the worst team. <laughs> Six, I'm going with Illinois. Quinn, I'm sure you have Purdue right here. Yeah, Purdue. Jonathan? Yeah, I have Illinois as well. Five, I have Northwestern. Jonathan? Um, yeah, I have Northwestern as well. Quinn? I do, too. Wow, we're all on the same page here. Number four, I'm putting the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Quinn? Iowa. Okay. Jonathan? I have Iowa. Okay. At number three, I have Iowa. Jonathan? Uh, I have Minnesota. Minnesota. All right, at two, I have Minnesota. Jonathan? I have Nebraska. I have Win. Nebraska. All right, one, there's probably no doubt, we all have Wisconsin. Yeah. So at oh, least yeah. we get the top one, right? That's really, you know why? That's all that matters. Who cares about two through seven? It only matters about number one. So we have Wisconsin stepping in from the 59 to nothing beat down from Ohio State and their fresh from a win off of Auburn, and they'll probably lose to Alabama. But they'll represent the Big Ten West. And here we go to the East. I don't think this is too hard, but I could surprise some people. Number seven, I have Indiana, Quinn. Seven, I have Rutgers. Jonathan? Uh, yeah, I have Indiana as well. All right. Quinn has Rutgers. Six, I have Maryland. Jonathan? I have Rutgers. Six, I have Indiana. Five, Rutgers for me, Jonathan. Maryland. Maryland, too. Four, um, I have the Michigan Wolverines with Harbaugh, Jonathan. Yeah, you know, I'm going to agree with that right there. Michigan at four. Yep, Michigan at four. I have Penn State at number three, Quinn. Yep, Penn State. Jonathan? Yeah, I have to agree as much as I hate to say it. I have Ohio State at number two. Jonathan? 
Um, I, I have Michigan State at two. Yeah, I have Michigan State at two also. All right, I have Michigan State winning the Big Ten East. They're going to go in. They're going to lose the game, but they're going to go into Ohio State and beat them. They're both going to finish with one loss. And Michigan State's going with a tiebreaker, baby. Michigan State, Wisconsin. Y'all have Ohio State, Wisconsin. Quinn, who wins the Big Ten? Ohio State. Jonathan? Yeah, I'm going to go with Ohio State as well. I just think they're the most talented team in this conference. (laughs) Hey, I had to go against the grain, guys. I'm sorry. Michigan State wins the Big Ten. But a a one-loss Ohio State team right now, does that mean they're out of the playoffs because they did not win the Big Ten? That's what we're going to talk about in a few minutes Mm -hmm. if they don't. All right, here we go. Pack Pack 12 South. Now let's go. Yeah, let's go to the Pack 12 South. This is a crazy division, man. Number six, mm-hmm. when I have Colorado. Colorado. Jonathan. Yeah, Colorado. Five. I'm gonna put Arizona. Mm. Jonathan. Yeah, I'm actually gonna, and this might some people, but I'm actually going to have Utah at five, and I just want to put this out there. One through five are all really good teams who could win this conference, uh, win this division. Yeah, Arizona, the reason I put them there, because they don't have a bye week. They play every game week in and week out. Quinn, who do you have at five? I have a three-way tie for third. Ooh. Well, they get Arizona, USC, Utah, Utah, and Arizona. Arizona, Arizona Utah, uh, and Arizona State. Whoa, give me some love on Arizona State, man. Um, Number four, I have Utah Quinn. Oh, yeah, I have the three-way tie. Yeah. Jonathan, who do you have? I have Arizona at four, as much as I'd love to see them win the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, I have USC at three, Jonathan. Ooh. Uh, I I like your logic. I like the way you're thinking, but I'm actually going to put Arizona State at three. Quinn, I still have that three-way tie. Oh yeah, I forgot about your dang three-way ties everywhere. Number two, I have UCLA. Quinn, I have UCLA too. Jonathan, I have UCLA as well. All right, number one, I have the Arizona State Sun Devil winning the South. USC. USC. Boo. <laughs> All right, Pac-12. <laughs> Pac-12 North. Not much drama in this one, guys. I mean, really, I mean, Oregon State at six. I'm just going to call mm-hmm. mine out. You call yours, Jonathan and Quinn. You call yours out. I have Oregon State at six. Washington State at fifth, Cal at four, Washington at three, Stanford at two, Oregon at one. Jonathan. Uh, I have Oregon State at six. Uh, I have Washington State at five. I have Washington at four, Cal at three, Stanford at two, Oregon at one. 
Mine's the same Go. as Tarvin's. Wow, Quinn, we're on the same page here. That might, that might not be good. Jonathan may just steal it from us, right? Here. <laughs> All right, Oregon versus – I have Oregon versus Arizona State with Arizona State winning the Pac-12 Quinn. I have USC versus Oregon and USC winning the Pac-12. Jonathan? I have Oregon against USC, and I have Oregon winning the conference. All right. I'll, I'll be pulling for Oregon, but I'm just trying to – Arizona State, that first game against A&M, I think they can win that game, and if they do, man. I mean, this Arizona State team is good. They're going to put up the points. they got some defense when they need it. I don't know. Herb Street and I agree with Arizona State here. That's the only pick I think we we agree on. And that takes us to the – the best conference in the land. I know nobody wants to hear that, but it's true right now. Until somebody, until somebody can prove to me they're not. So, Jonathan, let's start in the SEC East. I'm going to say the seventh team. This may surprise you, is Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah, you know, I was contemplating this, and I made a hard decision. I think I, I picked Vanderbilt, but I really wanted to put Florida at number eight. <laughs> For number seven, you mean? Hmm. No, no, I meant eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have Vanderbilt at seven. It's six. I have the Florida Gators. That may make you a little happy, John. Uh, yeah, that does tickle my fancy a little bit. But um, I actually have Kentucky at six. As much as I think they'll improve, I don't know if it's enough. Yeah, I have Kentucky at six. I have Kentucky at fifth. I'm giving them a little credit here. Jonathan? South Carolina. Quinn? South Carolina. At number four, I have South Carolina. Jonathan? Uh, Yeah, I'm going with that disease-infested swamp in Gainesville at four. Yeah, I got Florida. All right. Three, I'm going with the Missouri Tigers, Jonathan. I'm going with Missouri as well, but I, they could easily win this whole com- this division. I'm going Georgia. Here's pro. Woo! Georgia three. I like it, Quinn. I huh. like it. Number two, I have I have Georgia, John. I'm gonna put Georgia there as well, even though my 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 head's telling me don't be stupid. You know, they're about as sure a thing as you can get in this division. But I, I'm going to go with my heart and say Georgia at two. Quinn? I'm going, I'm going uh, Tennessee. All right. I have Tennessee winning the SEC East, Jonathan. So do I. As well. Quinn, you have Missouri. Missouri, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, I just can't go with them three years in a row. But, my God, I mean, they just keep winning all they keep doing, so. Quinn's mm-hmm. taking the, hey, I'm not stupid three times in a row kind of approach. That's probably how we should be doing it, Jonathan, but we're not. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still trying to pick somebody besides Missouri. But let's go to the West. And this is where I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. I know I'm going to get cussed out a lot. But this is just how I feel now. It's changed. And number seven, mm-hmm. I have Mississippi State, Jonathan, finishing last in the SEC West. So do I. Yep, so do I. At six, I have the Arkansas Razorbacks. I know everybody 
I mean, it doesn't mean they're they're terrible because they finished sixth in this division. This could all be a four-way tie for this. I mean, this is how close it is. But Jonathan, Arkansas at six. And I'm at six. Yep, and I'm at six. All right, number five, I have Ole Miss. Arkansas. I have Ole Miss, too. At number four, I have Alabama. Whoa. Yeah, but it's only it's not as bad as you think it is. It sounds bad, but it's really not as bad as you think it is. It's been right, until when they lost a couple of tiebreakers. But uh, at number four, I'm actually going to put uh, that team down in Baton Rouge, <laughs> LSU. And number four, I have well, Arkansas. All right, number three, I have A and M. I think, I think uh, the offense they have, I think, being a little better on defense. They play Alabama and Auburn at home. I have A and M at three. Jonathan, I'm um, gonna have Ole Miss. I have LSU. And number two, I have the LSU Tigers coming out. They their their schedule is easier than most people in the SEC West, but I think they have some questions at quarterback, but I do think they're going to get some wins just because of who they are. Fournette's a stud. He's a beast. I think by the middle of the year towards the end, Harris is going to figure out how to play Johnson. I have LSU at two. Uh, Yeah, I have Alabama at two. Yep, I have Alabama at two also. And here's the deal. I know I said four, but that could be one game. That could be a nine and three Alabama team finishing fourth in the West. That's how, in a tie-breaking scenario, like Jonathan said. And number one, I have Auburn winning the SEC. They have the offense because, I mean, they're pissed off. They're hungry. They finally have a quarterback that can hit everybody. The Malzahn, for the first time at Auburn, he's finally implemented the entire playbook. The defense is going to be better. It can't be worse. They have Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State at home. Road games at Kentucky, Arkansas, A&M. So, I mean, it's not terrible schedule, but if they can get off to a good start against Louisville, I think Auburn's got a good shot. So, that puts – we all have Auburn in the SEC yeah. championship game. Jonathan and I have Tennessee and Auburn. So, Jonathan, go ahead and pick Auburn, Tennessee for the championship. I have Auburn winning the title. Quinn, Auburn, Missouri. Auburn. Yep. Auburn over Tennessee in my book. Quinn has Auburn over Missouri. So so let's, let's talk about it right now. Let's start with the SEC. Quinn, is Auburn a playoff team, in your opinion, coming out of the West? And if so, is there another team in the SEC that could be a playoff team that you have? Uh, I, in my four-team playoff, I don't have another SEC team, but I okay. think Alabama could be in the hunt. I, I have only... Wow. I have Bama's only loss I have is to Auburn. Well, let me tell you all something right quick. Let me tell you what I've heard. And I had Alabama second. You know, I had them them and Auburn, the Iron Bowl, deciding the championship. And what happened is I spoke to two people at Alabama. I think it was Tuesday. I spoke to them, and, and every year they tell me about their team. And, and every year it's always – I mean, we're championship worthy. We're going to contend. We're going to win the championship. Well, this year, both of them, the same tune was we've heard from the coaches not to expect, you know, championship this year. It's kind of in a rebuilding mode. Um, 
the quarterback situation is bad at Alabama, guys. It's not like last year. There's nobody on that team. Hell, they're running into each other when they're snapping the ball, the running back, and the quarterback. It's like the longest yards first practice. Um, the defense is going to be solid, but I'm telling you, when they play against spread teams, they really do struggle. And, Jonathan, the schedule of Alabama this year is, is brutal. And and when you have that many question marks, I mean, how are you going to go 11-1 and one and 10-2 and two off your name, really? And that's where I think what's going to hurt them, they're going to lose three games, possibly four. And I think people are going to be shocked. But I'm, I'm saying this is because I was told from two reliable people inside the program that this is not a good year for Alabama. But a lot of people have Alabama picked to win the West or win the SEC or right in the top two. That's why I changed my prediction, John. Uh, you know, that that's that's actually a pretty good reason. Um, yeah, you, it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you went ahead and got a hold of a source who was able to give you a, a lowdown on something like that. Um, I would just hate to be you when Sonia calls. Uh, um, well, I, uh, Alabama could be in for a tough year, uh, this very talented team. They're only returning two starters in the offense. And it's that left tackle and center. So, we're, you know, I mean, Henry technically is returning to three if you want to include him at running back. Um, but it's definitely going to be a tough year. Uh, the receiving corpse is very young, very inexperienced. And offensive line, uh, you know, we're looking at some fresh faces as well. And, and we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Uh, and that's going to create, obviously, some controversy as is and whether, you know, how safe we're going to handle the Wisconsin game. They don't open with Charleston Southern. They're opening with Wisconsin. And that's where Alabama gets themselves in trouble and get caught down early. Yep. And we could be in for something special. And and, and tell me, and I, know I was in on this too, you get suckered in because it's Alabama the name. You look at recruiting every year and what they've done. I mean, it, all of a sudden it would blow your mind to see them fourth. I mean, it, it just it, it shocked both of you when I said that. And, it, and why would it? If you think about it, what we just talked about, what you said, Jonathan, I mean, this this division is tough. I mean, it's, it can be A&M could win it. I mean, anybody can just come out of nowhere. Bama's sitting right there with that schedule being the way it is, going to Auburn. And this is a – I don't know if you look at point spreads, Jonathan, Alabama's a 10-point favorite over Wisconsin. That, those 10-point favorites scare me sometimes because those are upset specials on week one. Uh, they really tend to be uh, ten, ten point favorites. Usually, you know, usually wind up getting themselves a little bit of trouble, um, and, and that's where you know I always get hesitant with certain teams on how I'm going to play them week one. That's why I think there's actually a lot of buzz right now about people betting against Duke, believe it or not, uh, and on Tulane. Um, and you wouldn't have heard anybody say that until people started looking at the line, like, why is it only ten? And that that's where that question mark is. People, do, you know, they ask, why is the line only 10? Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm really Auburn's having a hard a time, though. 11. Auburn's 10 and yeah. a half, 11. I mean, that's a big difference between 10 and a half to me and 10. I mean, it is. It's a big difference. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it, but it really is. And, and, you know, I had a hard time with this with this division. I actually have all uh, 17 and and I have them in my top 28 preseason ranking. You know, Mississippi State being the lowest at 28. Uh, so I, it's a very, definitely a very talented, talented um, uh, division of football. Uh, and they're going to eat themselves alive. 
And, I mean, yeah. Auburn could come out a little unscathed or Auburn could come out being the division champ, being the SEC champ with two losses. So it's going to be yeah. interesting to see how this all shakes out. And if if Auburn's a 10-2 and two team, they beat a, an SEC team, they're 11-2, and two, they're in the playoff. I mean, the SEC champion's going. But where, where it gets interesting is what if it's three? I don't think so. I think you draw the line at two losses. If you're – if you're the SEC, if you're a two-loss team, that's that's where you draw the line with anybody. You can't let a three-loss team into the playoff, I don't think. I don't think you deserve it. I don't care what conference you play in or anything. You lose three times, you don't need to be in there. But I have Auburn as a playoff team out of the SEC. Jonathan, do you have Auburn in the playoff winning the SEC? I do have Auburn in the playoff. I have, I have TCU out of the Big 12. They're the only team in the Big 12 – uh, I hate picking them, but it's just hard not to. Looking at what they have coming back, looking at their schedule. Jonathan, TCU, Quinn has Auburn. I have Auburn. You have Auburn. I have TCU. Jonathan, do you have TCU? I have TCU in the playoffs. So do Quinn, I. You have TCU. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have Michigan State in the playoffs, winning the Big Ten. Jonathan, who do you have in the Big Ten? I'm going to have Ohio oh. State in the playoffs. Yeah, right. Ohio Quinn. State. And I have Ohio State in the playoff with one loss at number four. Whoa. Yeah, the I'm, Big Ten getting two in there. Yeah. I, I I mean, that's, that's gutsy. Um, that, let, let me ask, uh, just, just, just for the sake of it, uh, lo- looking at a couple of these group of five teams, and, you know, and, and by the way, let me just put that out there. I have Florida State in the playoffs. I, I want to put that out there. Uh, my, my playoff seedings as a whole is going to be, um, and, and how I think it should be, Ohio State 1, Auburn, uh, T, Auburn 2, TCU 3, Florida State 4. And that's the home you pick in Florida State. But you have Ohio State coming in at 11-1 in the four spot. And if I told you BYU or Boise State is 12-0, and in Boise State's case 13-0, and you had to decide between them and one loss Ohio State. Are you still taking Ohio State? Yep, I am. Yeah. And it's because they did it last year. It's because they came in, they lost the game, they destroyed. They got in that playoff. And you have to admit, Ohio State's one of the most talented teams in football. Boise State, that respect is over with now. BYU, the respect's over with. Even though they have a tough schedule, you can't tell me a committee is going to put one of these teams in over Ohio State. What do you think, Quinn? No, but if you're gonna do that, then maybe you, maybe Jonathan, you throw in like a possibly a one loss Notre Dame team. Oh hell no! Yeah, uh, I mean, if, if we're gonna include them, I guess we'd have to include Notre Dame. For me, for Notre Dame or for any of the Group of Five teams to make it to the to, to the playoffs. You got to run your table. I can't. I mean, yep. t- Notre Dame's one loss is, let's say, Georgia Tech or it's the Clemson or it's the USC. Okay, that's fine. That's a tough loss. I get it. But you got three games on your schedule that you that you have to win to get in. If Notre Dame's undefeated, by well, all rights, uh, come on down to the party. We got a conversation. But I mean, if if Notre Dame thinks they're going to go ahead and walk into the playoff committee. And say, hey, we deserve a spot at this table with wins over schools like uh, 
Virginia, UMass, Navy, Temple, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, Boston yeah. College. I mean, come on. Oh, well, they beat Texas. Who yeah. cares? They beat Stanford. Yeah. That meant something three years ago. I mean, they have to beat USC. They have to go to Clemson and get that win, and they got to beat George Tech. Now, am I saying Clemson and Notre Dame can't go undefeated? Of course not. Do I think they will? No, not 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 even close. Not even close. Go undefeated. Yeah, you got to big boy table. Yeah, you gotta you gotta play in a conference. You gotta look what hurt TCU and Baylor last year. Really, TCU's probably running the table. If TCU loses, they're out. If Baylor loses, they're out. If Notre Dame loses, they're out. But what's going to happen is, in my opinion, Oregon just though they win the Pac-12, they're going to have two. Well, I think the Pac-12 champion has two losses. I think mm-hmm. the ACC champion could have two losses. If that's the case, if that's the case, just say if that scenario happens, Jonathan. Does Ohio State with a one loss to a Michigan State, a team that won the Big Ten, would they get in or would the conference champion get in from the two loss? I would in that scenario I would put a one loss Ohio State in over a two loss who left over ACC or a two loss Pac twelve. I I believe that. Hundred percent. I am still going to say though, if we're talking about this if one, if a group of five team is undefeated, we have to we have to consider them for that spot. We have to. That's why the playoff was invented was for Boise State and for Utah. And we can't. There's no value in that point. That the playoff is the Boise State TCU Utah law essentially because Utah got left out twice, TCU got left out once, and Boise State got left out what three times. Yeah, but I, I just think if it was an eighteen playoff, maybe. But I think the the fourteen playoff was meant for the Power Five. But you know, one at four of the five usually that's what they wanted. But I think sometimes that they can't get in. But let me ask you this, Quinn: If Ohio State lost to Michigan State, and really their only quality win was against Virginia Tech, why would Notre Dame, with one loss, not deserve to be in it? And I'll ask you that, Quinn, and I'll ask Jonathan. It seems like Notre Dame would be more worthy to be in than Ohio State. Yeah, well, it all depends. If if uh, Notre Dame's one loss was to like Clemson at Clemson, and let's say Clemson wins the ACC, but they have two losses, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, they're both they're both really big names, so... Actually, that'd be really tough for the playoff committee to decide. I don't know who they would go with. And it could be an undefeated team, like Jonathan said. If there's a a, a dilemma like that, they're like, okay, you know, let's just throw Boise in there. Let's throw BYU in there. I mean, you never know. But tell me, Jonathan, why would Ohio State deserve to go over Notre Dame if they lost one game and it was at home to Michigan State, but they don't have any kind of quality wins? Well, I mean, because if it shapes out like a lot of us are thinking, let's just look at the preseason rankings right now, if you will, because we don't know what the rankings are going to be at the end of the year. We can project it, but it's going to be hard to. Uh, Notre Dame loses at Clemson, which is my game of, yeah, they have no, they have almost no shot of winning. I'm going to be honest. Okay. But they go 11-1. Very impressive with wins over George Tech, wins over USC. They beat Stanford. You know, the quality – and there's a lot more quality right there. Because if you told me Ohio State loses that home to Michigan State, and then they beat Minnesota, Virginia Tech, and uh, Michigan? Michigan, yeah, I, that's it. I, I would say Notre Dame deserved a spot over Ohio State. I would. My only problem is 
with Notre Dame, just like my problem with BYU is, you're not part of a conference. Your schedule's scattered, you know. And granted, Notre Dame has five tough opponents, and that's fair. They still have seven games I look at and go, if you lose any of these seven, what are you even doing? So I, I I look you know, I, I think Notre Dame and BYU need to man up and join a conference before we can start talking about them making the playoffs with one loss. Yeah. I really think yeah. that, that that's the conversation and I think that's what the NCAA and the playoff committee and everybody's pushing towards. And that's why I think Notre Dame's waiting on the ACC to add another team. Because Notre Dame's a full member in everything but football right now. And they have and to play five you, ACC schools a year. Yeah, I'll tell you what's going to hurt Notre Dame as well is what they did against Alabama. I hate to say that, mm-hmm. and what Ohio State did to Alabama and won the championship last year. Just their name now and and their talent alone will get them in there over Notre Dame. Doesn't matter about the schedule at that point. Oh yeah, and, and you know, for every, anybody to say that's stupid, well, it is. But that's how it is. That's the logic behind it. You know, something that happened a couple of years ago, they will hold against them because it's still relevant in the conversation in Notre Dame. All right. I have uh, Auburn 1, TCU 2, Michigan State 3, Ohio State 4. I have Auburn playing Ohio State beating them, TCU beating Michigan State, Auburn, TCU. What a championship game. I'm going to pick Auburn to win the national championship of 2015. Clint, who do you have? I have Auburn at one, Ohio State at two, TCU at three, Clemson at four. I have Auburn beating Clemson. I have Ohio State beating TCU, and I then I have Auburn beating uh, beating Ohio State for the national championship. All right, Jonathan. I have Ohio State 1, Auburn 2, TCU 3, and Florida State at 4. I have Florida State beating Ohio State. Uh, And then, I mean, in all honesty, the facto national championship game, most people eyes, Auburn and TCU. I have Auburn winning that game, setting up a rematch of 2013. (laughs) Um, In which case, I think we know which way I'm going. Um, now, if I take if I take my bias out of this, to be perfectly honest, if I take my bias out of this and we slot who cares at number four, um, I think we set up an Ohio State Auburn championship with Auburn rolling. Um, I think Auburn might be the best football team in the country this year. Again, that's all projection. Yeah. Um, I think them and TCU are the top two teams. Uh, I think that game, if that is the semifinal, we're all going to be really disappointed because that's going to be a great game. I think if Auburn gets a chance to play Ohio State, they're going to skull drag them up and down the field. I'm telling you. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I do think TC. I think TCU. Um, I think TCU and Auburn are the best teams. And this is preseason. Anything could happen. Injuries. Jeremy Johnson could go down. But if you look at complete teams with the quarterback set, the backfields, receivers, defense, coaching, just schedule, you have to look at it. If you don't have Auburn and TCU in there. Then something. I didn't want to put TCU in there, but my common sense had to put them in there. I mean, I could be wrong, but who's going to beat them? I mean, they, they play Baylor at home. They're going to run the table this year, and they're not going to be able to be left out because they're undefeated. But, guys, we may have a show Wednesday night. I'm going to try. It's the night before college football. We can have some fun if y'all would like to. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised we didn't get a lot of calls tonight. I, I don't know. Maybe people are waiting for the season to start, or maybe people are listening to me project Alabama number four, and they hung up the phone. I don't know. A lot of people are in the <laughs> studio, but nobody's pressing number one. So, I mean, I can't bring you on with you at number one. But uh, Wednesday night at 8.30, we'll do at least something. We'll, we'll we'll put together something to get us out there. But, guys, thanks for joining us. Jonathan, Quinn, college football is just right here, buddy. Yeah. Um, I'm way too excited. I'm, I'm, this is this is good. This is good. Yeah, and just to, just to leave it off, the boys will fall. I mean, you, you got to play that song to, for the last minute. So, guys, have a good evening. Back in my helmet, cleats, and shoulder pads. 